Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Um, so, so my the message for this morning has changed twice this week. Um, I had to I had to lay it all aside and start from scratch last night about seven o'clock because I just knew that uh, that God had something different for us this morning. I want to talk with you this morning about uh, Paul and Silas in Philippi. If you have Bibles or Bible apps, you're going to want to turn to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 9, or and we're going to start uh, in verse 16 in a moment. But uh, in, in Acts chapter 16, we have this, the story of um, you know, Paul and his team. He was traveling with a whole, a whole entourage, a whole team, ministry team. And uh, they had tried to go into one area called Asia Minor, and the Holy Spirit didn't let them go in there. They tried to go into another area called Mycenae and Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go there. So they end up in a city called Troas on the, on the coast. And Paul has this dream. Uh, you find it in verse 9 of chapter 16. Paul has this dream. And in this dream, there's a man from Macedonia, which is kind of up around the, uh, uh, the coast, uh, a few hundred kilometers from where they were in Troas. And he has this dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so next thing we find is Paul and Silas and their team are in Philippi. Philippi is in Macedonia. So in, co- in case you don't connect those dots, Paul and Silas go to Macedonia and they end up in the city of Philippi. Paul plants, they plant a church there in the city of Philippi. And, uh, and as, after they plant the church there, years later, Paul writes a letter back to that church. Can anybody guess what letter in our New Testament is written to the church in Philippi? <laughs> Philippians. You guys are sharp. That's good. Good, good. So, um, one of the major themes of the letter of Philippians is joy. If you read the letter of Philippians, it's rejoice, 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 joy, joy, joy. Major theme in the, in the book of Philippians. I believe that this story we're going to read today and Paul and Silas's experiences and what they walked through were the place where they learned the life lessons about joy that Paul would later write back to the Philippians and remind them of the importance of that in their lives. And so we're going to dive in in verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. I'm reading from the New International Version. Here we go. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit meaning a demonic spirit, by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. It doesn't sound like something a demon spirit would generally say, but... You know, the demon was trying to embarrass them and draw attention to them and and cause discredit to their ministry. Um, 
Lost my place. Sorry. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they have had been severely flogged, everybody say severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, everybody say about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and he and, he and his whole household. We'll stop there. Quite a story. So, first major point this morning. When we live our faith, things should happen. Paul and Silas were just going about their business. Just, just walking through the streets. Just going about their business. But because they carried the presence of Jesus on their lives... The spiritual atmosphere around them was affected. A demonic spirit was alerted to who they were and the presence they carried and the mission that they were walking in. The atmosphere around them was affected. How many of you know Jesus came to set captives free? Right? Um, 
Jesus, what he did for us by his death, by his resurrection, what he does when people hear about his, the, the love and the grace of God changes lives. Jesus came to change lives and to set captives free. It's interesting that, these, that it says in the scripture that this happened for many days. These guys were walking through the streets for many days. And, and Paul doesn't, doesn't, the first day, you know, you'd think, if he knows what's going on, you'd think the first day he would just deal with it. But it went on for many days. Let me say, first of all, that just because evil manifests around us, it may not be our assignment to deal with it. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit in the assignment that He has given us. And let me guarantee you, if you are a follower of Jesus, He has given you assignments. Kingdom assignments to see the darkness pushed back and captives set free. Um, But Paul takes authority in Jesus' name, and this demonic spirit uh, leaves her. It's gone. And And the servant girl was suddenly free. I just don't know why, we, why anybody didn't stop to celebrate that, right? I, I mean, it's like the girl, the girl kind of just, her, I, I wish we knew more of her story. Because she, she, uh, she was demonized one moment, and suddenly she's free the next moment, but nobody stopped to celebrate that. Um, people, people, often will oppose the results of what God is doing through your life. Because this girl was disposable commodity to these businessmen, they couldn't see the miracle. All they could see was that the gospel was an annoyance to them. And folks, sometimes as we walk through this world in the spirit of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus has called us to do, there are some times when when people will find us annoying. Now, hopefully they don't find you annoying because you're being obnoxious and annoying. Hopefully they find you annoying because you're simply holding out the hope of Jesus. And so Paul and Silas are brought before these officials and it says Paul and Silas are severely flogged and thrown into prison. A couple things to note here. First of all, these guys, Paul and Silas, lived in such a way that no price was too high for the sake of their allegiance to Jesus. There will come a day when you will want to have that decision settled in your heart. That no cost is worth denying our faith in Jesus. Why would we trade away our eternal reward for the things of this temporary world that are passing away? 
And we need to decide that even now, before greater trouble comes, because there will come a day when greater trouble will come. We need to decide in our heart that no cost is too great for our allegiance to Jesus. Secondly, uh, we want to note that these, uh, that as Roman citizens, the way that these men were treated was actually illegal. That uh, only a minority of people in the empire were Roman citizens. But if you were a Roman citizen, as Paul and Silas were, uh, you were, there were certain privileges that came with that, and you were protected from imprisonment or punishment of any kind without a fair trial. And they certainly did not receive a fair trial, right? It was mob justice that took place. Um, thirdly, it says in the passage, specifically in verse 24, that, th that the, the prison guard because of the instructions he was given, um, treated them severely and took them into the inner cell and locked them in stocks. Now we, we know a little bit of what that means from history. History tells us that being thrown in the inner cell in a Roman prison was not like you might imagine today a prison cell. It wasn't a sanitized cell with a mattress and clean sheets, a toilet and a TV. But the inner cell in a Roman prison were, were the worst part of the prison. They would have been dirty, stinking, rat-infested places with stone floor, no mattress, human waste everywhere, and after having their backs beaten and bloody, they were laid on that dirty floor with their feet stuck up in stocks. That's what we know about the situation Paul and Silas are in. Pretty gross. So, point number two. It's a question. What happens from 4 p.m. to midnight? What happens from 4 p.m. to midnight? So, Paul and Silas, it says that they were brought before the magistrates in the city market. And very much like most markets today and most government offices today, they weren't open past late afternoon, right? So at the latest, Paul and Silas are probably being, uh, you know, convicted and punished by about four o'clock in the afternoon. We've got a gap here. It's interesting that Luke, who's writing this story, mentions the time when they start to worship. I find that really interesting. Because what happens between four and midnight? If you were falsely accused, screamed at by a crowd, convicted of a crime you didn't commit, illegally punished and imprisoned, all because you just wanted to help someone, what would be your first reaction? 
Did, do you think Paul and Silas went right away to worship? Or do you think there might have been some time there where they grumbled a bit? Where they complained a bit about their circumstances? Where they laid on the floor and said, what are we doing? What is this ministry about anyways? Why, why bother helping people if this is what's going to happen? Does God even know we're here in this inner cell with our feet in stocks? Paul and Silas were not perfect. They weren't angels. I think they had a tough time for a little bit. I think they weren't that different from you and me. What about you? Nobody has severely flogged you lately, I'm sure. Literally, at least. But have you been frustrated with some things and lost your focus on Jesus? Are you having trouble at times getting back to a place of joy and thanksgiving and worship? I want to declare this morning that fear and despair are liars. Fear is a liar. Despair is a liar. I think somebody watching online this morning needs to hear that. I think some of us in this room need to hear that and be reminded. Fear and despair will tell you that you're alone in this situation, whatever your situation is today, that you are alone and that it will never end. The enemy wants you discouraged and defeated. And I believe what happened between 4 p.m. and midnight was that Paul and Silas waged an epic battle against fear and despair. We're not told that. But by the way that Paul writes later to the Philippian church about joy, it says to me that I believe he learned a, a, an important life lesson in that moment, in that jail cell that would change his life and his ministry forever. And he wrote them about it to remind them. Third thing I want to say this morning is that Everything changes when we get our eyes back on Jesus. It takes faith and courage and joy and peace to be able to worship when you're laying on a prison floor at midnight. When your plans blow up and everything seems against you and you're in an impossible situation where there seems no way out, you might not feel like worshiping. But there are people in this room this morning and there are people watching online this morning that can tell you from experience that worshiping in that situation is the best thing you can do. Some of you have been there and have learned to worship at midnight. 
And as long as you can only see your circumstances, you will be imprisoned by them. As long as that's all you can see, you will remain a prisoner of your circumstances. But if you can lift up your eyes to Jesus, you will see that he has, been, he has had his eyes on you all along. He's never taken his focus off of you. And he is just waiting for you to choose him over every circumstance and over every other option to fix your circumstance. He's waiting for you to choose him. He's waiting for you to choose joy. You might say, well, I I don't feel any joy in this situation. That's okay. You don't have to produce joy. You just have to choose it. He will produce the joy in you when you choose to joy in Him instead of fearing your circumstances. He is the source of our joy. You're not the source of your joy. You don't You don't make it up inside of you. You don't cause it to happen. He is the source of your joy. He's waiting for you to choose faith, to to trust Him. And again, you might say, well, I don't know if I have any faith left. It's okay. Just choose faith. Because you're not the source of your faith. It's a gift. Scripture tells us that faith is a gift from God. You just choose faith and God will give faith to you. When you worship in the middle of the storm, you tell the storm who is boss. Felt the Lord gave me that to to, to me this morning for you. And I'm going to say it again. When you choose to worship in the storm, you tell the storm who is boss. Verse 25 says, the, as, they were, as they were singing, as they were worshiping, as they were praising God and praying, um, verse 25 says, the other prisoners were listening to them. Folks, the people around you are watching your life right now as you go through challenging things. They want to know if your faith works when things are hard. Some of them are watching in cynicism because they're waiting to say, see, I knew you were no different than me. But some are watching because they really truly want to know if there is something out there that they can anchor their life to that is more stable and strong than everything else they've tried. And as they're worshiping, as they're praying, things start to shake. There's an earthquake, a great earthquake, that shakes the foundations of the prison Prison doors break open and the chains fall off. Folks, this was no ordinary earthquake. I 
But Paul and Silas's worship had unlocked something in the heavenly realm. And whether it was God himself or whether it was an angel of heaven, but in that moment there was a whole lot of shaking going on. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Folks, we have to choose to worship in the middle of the storm and tell the storm who is boss. Interesting as the story continues. So, so the, the earthquake happens. The prison guard was sleeping. I don't know if he was supposed to be or not. Probably not. Because when he realizes what has happened, it tells us that he pulls out his sword to take his life. Now that sounds tra- tragic and drastic. But this is a Roman cultural thing that's going on. Because this was the only way he, his family could keep their honor is if he were to take his life. But Paul, Paul and Silas, in the most disgusting place, in the most difficult situation, in, in, in a, a, you know, a crazy storm in their life in this moment... Paul and Silas are suddenly in ministry mode. Do you notice that? Here's this guy who had treated them harshly, who had probably thrown them on the floor of the, of the inner cell in this Roman prison. He had been the one who had put their feet in the stocks. He had treated them badly. He was, for all intents, their enemy. And in this moment, Paul and Silas are in ministry mode. And their eyes are not on their situation. They're not on the, the stink around them, the rats around them, the, the, the hard floor. They're not on their chains that have fallen off or on the doors. They're in ministry mode. Isn't that interesting? In this season... You and I need to get our eyes on Jesus. This is true for you and me as individuals. If you're in a storm right now of any kind, whether it's related to what's going on around us in the world or something that you're going through in your family or your life situation, um, if you are in a storm, it is time to worship. And by worship, I don't necessarily mean singing, although that's a beautiful part of worship. But worship is declaring the greatness of God and how He is bigger than our circumstances, bigger than anything. It's putting God in our hearts and in our minds, putting God in the right place where He belongs, declaring His worth. It is time to worship. It's time to choose joy. It's time to choose courage and faith. 
Don't trust your feelings. Lead your feelings by choosing to focus on Jesus. We need to do this as individuals, but we need to do this as a church as well. It's why we're choosing to simplify things right now and just say we need to get our eyes on Jesus. We need to connect with God and we need to connect with each other. And that's more important than anything else right now for us. Why? Because I know God is going to give us jailers. I know that there are prisoners listening in, watching our lives. I know that there are jailers, people in our life, that God wants us to be ready to be in ministry mode and not so focused on woe is me that I miss all of the opportunities around me that God is putting in my life. He has sent us with a mission and that mission does not change, will not change. We are on a mission, folks. And just because you have a bad day or a bad week doesn't change the mission. And so we need to be ready at all times with our heart focused on Jesus and not distracted by our circumstances so that when those jailers come, when those opportunities come, we are ready to speak the name of Jesus. We are ready to speak the hope of God into people's lives. And they may even, like Paul and Silas's experience, they may even be your enemy. What if this season, as we love and serve, what if instead of getting caught up in self-protection, defending ourselves, and fighting for this, and fighting for that, and fighting against this, and fighting against that. What if we just got our eyes on Jesus? And even those who hate us, couldn't help themselves, but want to know more about our Jesus. Let's stand. Here's what we're going to do to close off this morning. To respond in our hearts believe this was a timely message the Lord gave me for this moment. Believe that we need to hear it, receive it, and walk it out, live it. Um, so, uh, these ladies are going to play a song on the instruments. It's a song that you can't not sing, so None of us are going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to, we're going to speak it out. So I don't want to tempt you. 
Let's raise a hallelujah. And uh, if we can put the lyrics up. Thank you. So just as they're, just as they're playing, we don't have to follow the, the music. We're just going to declare this. Um, just declare these words. We can speak it out loud. Can't sing it, but we can speak it out loud. All right? So let's say it with me. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief in my heart. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Next slide. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. Hallelujah. Let's just speak out our praise to Him this morning. Let's worship. God, we worship You this morning. We love You. We honor You. We thank You. You are our King. You are our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer. God, You are above all others. You are above all things. We trust You. We trust You. God, we, we want to make our praises and our worship louder than any unbelief that might be in our hearts this morning. Because we declare that you are big enough, you are good enough, you are mighty. We declare your majesty. God, you're going to do amazing things in the, today and in the days ahead. God, our, our lives and our church cannot be, cannot be stopped, cannot be thwarted, cannot be discouraged cannot be defeated by the things around us because God you are our strength you are our hope so our confidence is in you our hope is in you God we choose joy we choose faith we choose courage and we thank you God we want to keep our eyes on Jesus and our attention on the, the opportunities around us that you're going to bring God we're on the watch for jailers in our lives, for people in our lives, who you're going to bring for, for the assignments that you have given us to push back darkness and to bring the kingdom of God into the situations in our lives. We give you thanks, God, for what you're doing. We declare your victory. We declare your goodness. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. If you want to stick around, you're free to, to, to stick around for a bit and worship. Uh, you're free to, if you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We got good things ahead. Amen.